all this week's episode the fascination with the royal family continues bethesda and xbox are a match made in gaming heaven and just how popular are sports cards all this and more as we reach our next stop the pcc multiverse Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where we're now over 900 followers strong and counting, so follow us there. YouTube, we've got a ton of subscribers there. We cannot thank you enough for doing so. And now, of course, on Twitch, we just truly appreciate everybody going ahead and signing up there as followers, following our all of our interviews, all of the stuff that we post as far as from the PC Multiverse and Pop Culture Cosmos. And, of course, our constant, almost daily tabletop RPG gaming, it is truly appreciated but it wouldn't be a pcc multiverse without my good friend it's our own castle pcc on the twitter and instagram you got to go ahead and catch him today at castle with a k pcc it is our drone master for pop culture cosmos it is marcus de la garza and marcus thanks for coming back on the show once again my friend yeah man it's one of those things Every week I set my uh, watch and I'm here and I really enjoy it. And just always thank you to the Pop Culture Cosmos family for having me back. Just hanging out with you and Josh, especially when we, when we do the crossover episodes. It's always a, just a great time. Oh, without him, it's, I guess it's just like, you know, chop liver with me. Nah, okay. you, you know how it is, Gerald. Like we have that weird like energy that happens when all three of us are together and it turns into something really special. So we were almost going to have the great Magnificent Josh with us today and it just didn't work out. So Josh, enjoy your time off, but we'll get back to you soon. Yes, we will. I actually will see him for the Monday show. So looking forward to that. I know Marcus keeps on threatening that he's going to be invading the pop culture cosmos twitch page with some really good drone action and also conversation as well so look forward to that in the not too distant future thank you so much for the heart knowing and fine we truly appreciate it can't wait to hear your thoughts on falcon and winter soldier justice league and so much more in the coming weeks and at the back end of the podcast we will talk about if we're still excited for the big week ahead in pop culture with justice league and of course falcon and the winter soldier coming back-to-back on Thursday and Friday of next week. But that we're going to go ahead and save for the end of the show. We also have as today's guest an outstanding guest indeed. It is Vince Atulo coming back to us from That Sports Card Show podcast. He is reviving his podcast, and he has has to. He's going to bring on a co-host, and he has to be talking sports cards because sports cards and the sports card industry is booming right now. Millions of dollars are being traded out there, auctioned off, 
you might even have a card that's really valuable. So he's going to be on the back half of the show talking about the sports card industry, why it's booming, the great interest into it, and if you should go ahead and invest now in the sports card industry. But first up, my friend, I know you wanted to touch on the subject that we don't normally deal with, but it's also a big shout out to uh, all of the radio stations in the UK that airs our shows, and I cannot thank you enough for doing so. And that is the royal family. And I don't want to go into much of the tabloid stuff or the deep and dark stuff that's in there. Obviously, some of the statements that were made by Meghan Markle were just truly disappointing to hear as far as that type of stuff going on within the confines of the royal family as far as racism and uh, obviously the thoughts that she had. I mean, they were just very troublesome indeed. She did have a major interview with her and Prince Harry along with Oprah Winfrey earlier this week that aired, aired to a massive audience here in the United States. 17 million people watched it, and I'm sure millions more have watched some form of it on any type of social media thereafter. And another 11 million have watched it the next day in the UK. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, on this. You really wanted to bring this up. You're really passionate about this whole concept. And normally, like I said, we don't normally delve and touch on this. But I think what it comes down to, and we made the call on this, is that people in the United States and the UK are still fascinated by what's going on with the royal family. Yeah, Gerald, that was one of those things. When we talked about this earlier this week, there was a big discussion amongst the hosts of the podcast of, you know, is this pop culture? And, you know, ultimately we had to settle on, yes. I mean, at 28 million streams or 28 million viewers, and I think Oprah got paid $7 million for the interview uh, to be sold to CBS. I mean, th- that's popular culture right there. You, you can't really... Uh, hey, I, Oprah, all props to you. I would love to be paid $7 million to just be sitting down and chatting on some patio furniture. I would love it. Yeah, I mean, for real, man. But it was one of those things, you know, watching the the interview itself, you know, we're, we're not jumping into the content like you discussed, but... Oh, it I, was, it, speaking it, of the patio furniture, I got to tell you, you know that patio furniture featured or actually wasn't actually intentionally featured, but they were just sitting out in the backyard and they had that, you know, they, were, they all of them were sitting on that patio furniture. The guy who owns the company who makes that is a former Brady Bunch member. No Christopher way. Knight. Yeah. Peter Brady, the middle Brady. The, yeah. He, that's yeah. so crazy, man. It's a and, small and, Hollywood pop culture world, man. And of course, everything sells out and they had to make a statement how overwhelmed they are because they've literally sold out of that set like within a day or two afterwards. So you just see the fascination there. It all ties into this fascination. Yep. I guess the world still has with the royal family. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is our obsession, especially in this country with Disney fairy tales. You know, we look at what the royal family represents. It's a prince. It's a princess. It's the figurehead for your nation. The you know, queen. That's, yeah. Uh, and it, it's it's something that we don't have the luxury of having here in the States. You know, you have a politician who is also your figurehead. And sometimes you don't like that person. And it's easier to like that person if they are apolitical, a la the queen. But that being said, you know, the royal family seems to be in a little bit of hot water here. I do want to say, though. You know, it's 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 weird that we do always fall back on this obsession with the royal family here in the States. But it really is, man. I think it is our obsession with fairy tales. And Disney has given us this. I think it's just all the, the pomp and the circumstance and the things that fascinate us about. Uh, like every time there's a royal wedding, huge, huge ratings, huge interest from all over North America, all over always. the world. Oh. Yeah, and, and, you know, they're fascinated by when Meghan and, and Harry got married, uh, you know, when William and Kate got married, et cetera, et cetera, or when there's a royal birth or something like that. It's always a source of fascination because, like you said, it's that 
fairy tale type mentality. I think a lot of us still like to have that there's a king and a queen and a prince and a princess type deal, even though there's no king at this time. But, you know, it's that type of mentality that we, we still like to hold our, our imaginations on fairy tales is the reason I think we still hold on to our fascination with the royal family. And yes, there are some people that love the thought of having a scandal within the royal family. I know obviously people have, have been opportunistic on it. I just like to look at it from the standpoint that it's it seems that when I see the numbers, 17 million here, 11 million here, and then you see the millions and millions of streams and stuff on social media that's getting millions and millions of views. It just shows that we as a, as a community still have a fascination for this part of our culture. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm kind of of the mindset that it's a little bit crazy that this is still a, a huge part of our culture, a huge part of uh, our mindset of trying to to gather this information, really soak it in and, and view it as entertainment. But, you know, it's not for me to dictate what popular culture is, but it is uh, on me to, to talk about it. So, uh, <laughs> well, I, mean, being... I mean, I was telling you, I mean, I was just racking my brain as far as remembering the exact definition of what popular culture is. And I mean, that's the reason why ultimately we decided to just talk about it just for a yeah, few minutes yeah. is just because that within what's going, going on, it, it's partly defined in that definition of popular culture is what's going on. So anytime you have this type of major event going on within the confines of the royal family, I think it provides a continual fascination and a source of conversation, source of news. You know, I, I understand the tabloid and the dark side of it, but there's also CNBC, Fox, MSNBC, you know, whatever major news outlet that you're you're looking at, whatever major newspaper, whatever major news internet source of information that you're using. Earlier this week, it was the biggest news story of anything, beating coronavirus, beating anything. So yep. I mean, it's just something that, you know, whether you like it or not, it has to be talked about when it concerns pop culture. Yeah, dude. I hate it. But at the same time, I love it. It gives us something to really dive deep on. And, you know, Gerald, at this point, I think that we've talked more royal family than I ever have heard you talk. And you have talked more royal family today than you've probably talked in the last 10 years, I'm guessing. Well, I had these conversations earlier this week, my family, who are fascinated with oh, what's going no. on. Yeah, they've got the videos. They've got my my wife and my daughter. They're watching the videos pop up, whatever, Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever, they're watching all the videos and trying to find out more. It's become a source of fascination for them previously in regards to how they can relate to what's going on with, with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry or what's going on with William Kate. You know, it seems to be a great fascination with people. And I'm not trying to mock it. I'm not trying to make fun of it at all. I'm trying to say it is part of our culture and it's extremely popular. So we'll go ahead and say, you know what? I mean, if you're into it, it's obviously a source of conversation. It's obviously a great source of news and information for a lot of people out there. And when 18 million plus people are tuning in to that Oprah interview, it tells me that the royal family is not going away anytime soon. What are your thoughts out there on what's going on with the latest controversy within the confines of the royal family and their overall popularity all over the world? Are you still into watching their every move like so many people are out there? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. 
Witness the hubris as they claim to be the world's authority on comic book movies. Who said that? Never said that. We've never said that. Who cares? A jock said that. Comic book, TV, movie, reviews, news, and whatever they choose. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Seriously, people really listen to this. Uh, jock and Nerd! Well, my friend, there's still much more to talk about on today's program. Speaking of things that are going on in Europe, the United States and also I think the uh, Federal Trade Commission and also the European Union finally said, okay, it's a nice, nice deal, but that's the next box. You can finally get all get together, have a nice, nice. So the day after Bethesda and Xbox had that deal, Xbox went on the air. Xbox had a little thing that they said, okay, we thank you so much. Now we're all this great partnership. It's all peace and peace yep. and love. It's all great. Yep. And then today they talked about the future, or at least a little bit of the future as far as some of the existing games on the platform for Bethesda. So the Xbox Games Pass, as we talked about before, for the Xbox Series X, Xbox One, PC. The Xbox Games Pass, which is their subscription-based system, is really what they're going to be pushing over the course of the lifetime of what the Xbox Series X is going to be. And that's something they really want to focus. They want Xbox Games Pass, which is a conglomeration of games that they've got, older or current games that they've got, that they want you to go ahead and play on all one platform. You can just pay one price and have access to all these games. They want you to go ahead and have this be a part of your life going forward as a gamer. And they want this ultimately to become the Netflix of gaming, so to speak, to use as a reference or the Disney Plus of gaming or whatever you want to reference at this point right. in time. Yep. And congratulations again to Disney Plus who officially went million. over 100, 100 million. Bob Chapek said, I also want to mention that Bob Chapek, as of now, Disney CEO said that we're still a go for May 7th for Black Widow, but how it's going to release is still up in the air. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, well, we'll go, actually, we'll go ahead and touch yeah, on that. Yeah, we'll talk. Weeks, yeah, but, we'll talk. But Bethesda and Xbox are playing nice, nice now. They're all together under the same Xbox umbrella. And if you're an Xbox Game Pass owner, you're going to get dropped on you 20 different games from the Bethesda library, including Dishonored, Dishonored 2, Doom, Doom 2, Doom 64, Doom 3, Doom Eternal, Fallout New Vegas, Fallout 4, Fallout 76, Prey, Rage 2, The Elder Scrolls 3, Morrowind, The Elder Scrolls 4, Oblivion, my favorite. The Elder Scrolls V, <laughs> Skyrim, The Elder Scrolls Online, The Evil Within, Wolfenstein, The New Order, excellent game, Wolfenstein, The Old Blood, that's also an excellent game, Wolfenstein, <laughs> Young Blood, that's great DLC added on there too as well. So all those games are going to be dumped on to Xbox Games Pass by the time you hear this. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend. This is a great announcement for gamers to have so much more on their plate when it comes to Xbox Games Pass. But with Nintendo having their direct announcing a couple things a couple weeks ago, Pokemon having their direct announcing a couple things, I think it was a little over a week ago, and Sony, State of Play, also announced some things, although that was kind of underwhelming, announcing some things about a week ago. Wouldn't it have been nice if Xbox used this platform to talk about some upcoming things that they have with Bethesda? Wouldn't that have been a great opportunity to showcase yep. what they have coming up and their, as far as their future for them and Bethesda? Yes, they announced that, that they're going to have separate press conferences at E3. Yes, they announced that they're going to do something in the summer of gaming with Bethesda. That's just great. 
But for right now, wouldn't it have been nice that they just went ahead and say, you know what, we've got a lot of good stuff on the way for you too. Yeah, and I, dude, I, I want to be with you, but it kind of feels like we're not begging, but we're... Hmm. Well, right now is a low point, man, because since Hitman 3 has come out, there's been not a whole lot as far as AAA or marquee games coming out for console owners at this point in time. Look, Gerald, this is classic COVID marketing strategy, what happened here. Let's give people 20 titles that have been remastered. That oh, they haven't been remastered. They said at some point, some of them will be touched up, but they're, so they're just throwing them up there for people. Well, yeah. All right. So even more of a classic COVID marketing situation here. Let's just get people excited, period, and see if, you know, the stuff that we're going to release down the line benefits from us throwing this old content out here. You know, this is something that we've seen with a lot of the streaming platforms going exclusive with certain titles. This isn't exclusive to the video game industry here. But what bothers me is, yeah, we didn't get a teaser. We didn't get anything here to tell us that, Hey, stay tuned because we've got some good stuff to come this summer other than, you know, just a little bit of word of mouth that said, hey, by the way, stay tuned. We'll we'll have something for you in a few months. Starfield would have been nice to see a little bit of Elder Scrolls or maybe anything, man. Wolfenstein. But uh, hold on. I do want to say, though, I do appreciate the games we got. And just like you said, you know, the Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind, great game. Oblivion, outstanding game. Skyrim, I really didn't play enough of. So if I had an Xbox, which I don't. And I don't have a PS5 either, but that might be changing soon. You know, that that's one of those things. If I was sitting here today and had to choose between the two, I'd still go PS5. But the Game Pass makes this a lot more attractive, man. Especially with these games that I grew up with and I, I played, you know, once through before. I really enjoyed, you know, when we start talking about some of the Wolfenstein stuff. I think this was a great deal. And this is what Phil Spencer was talking about when he said that, you know, they're trying to set this up as Xbox having the exclusive content moving forward from here. And that's what all the Bethesda purchase was all about. Let's give the Xbox players the superior experience. And I think they're doing that with the Bethesda work into the Game Pass. Unfortunately, it's not the news that you and I wanted to hear today, but I think this is going to be huge moving forward. You know, getting this quality of title on Game Pass really sets the bar very, very, very high. We shouldn't just be seeing kind of just whatever games. We should be seeing some really great content that has been very successful throughout the years. I'm on board with this one. I understand why you're upset. I'm a little bit upset, but at the end of the day, I'm okay with this one. Well, the only thing that I wanted to add on top of this is Xbox head Phil Spencer was in interviews after that stating that there would be some exclusives to the Xbox platform when it concerns Bethesda and maybe some that aren't. So again, this goes back to a conversation that we've had, I think on more than one occasion on the future of Bethesda and Xbox. If you were running Xbox, what would you be doing as far as the upcoming slate of Bethesda games? I mean, Starfield looks like since it's a brand new IP, I would say that, okay, make that an Xbox deal. If it becomes wildly popular, you can always release it to PlayStation and Nintendo. By the way, when we talk about exclusive, it's anything that's coming out just to Xbox is also coming out to PC. They meant Xbox and PC together. So it's just not PS5 or Nintendo when we say this. But what I want to ask you is if you're running Xbox Studios, what would you be actually making specific to Xbox and PC? And what would you be making for entirely a cross-platform experience? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head just a a couple of seconds ago when you said that, you know, any new IP, if I think that it's going to be a killer, I think I start on the Xbox platform, whether it's the X or the S, you release that exclusively for Xbox and PC, and you guarantee that you have a, a winner on your hands. 
you know, that alone could sway future purchases of consoles, right? Like if you have a game that's just outstanding, new intellectual property, it's coming in, it's Xbox exclusive. If you have people that are still searching for units like me, that could sway a decision here. You know, if, if, if I heard that from you, Gerald, if you say you got a Xbox on me, which I don't think you did, did you? You didn't tell me. No, about it. <laughs> no, no, not at this time, but I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Okay. But it, it say you got one and we were sitting here talking about it. And you're like, Hey man, this new game outstanding. You really should look at getting an Xbox. I think that alone could sway me if I was still sitting here looking at the stock issues that we're running into today. You know, I work in a lab with five other people. We're all still searching for our, our units. I think living in Florida has really put us behind the eight ball here because, you know, there are so many people, there are so many people looking for any console right now. Yeah, it kind of sucks. But at the same time, we're going to get there. Eventually we'll get some units, man. I'm of the mindset. You hit it right on right off the gate, man. Just go ahead. Let's make these new IPs exclusive to Xbox. If they have success, then we port them to PS4, but let's not spend more money or time than we have to. If we have, you know, a, a banger on our hands. If we have a grade A AAA title, let's go. Let's just push it straight to Xbox and get everybody hooked and over onto our platform. I spent seven plus billion dollars on this company. I would want to at least start out with exclusivity on the Elder Scrolls or Fallout. I would take one of would those really? games. I would take I, one of those. I was I would start out with a year of exclusivity, but I would start out with a year of exclusivity on the Xbox because I've spent seven billion dollars. And the only way that Xbox is going to gain an advantage on PlayStation, because right now PlayStation's off to an early lead in this current console generation. But but okay, you know, let, let me just let me just say this. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I think that you've got to go ahead and find your niche. And getting Starfield and making the exclusive, that would be great. But it wouldn't be a game changer. But making an exclusive Elder Scrolls experience or an exclusive Fallout experience. For Xbox fans, they would just absolutely love it. For PlayStation fans, they would actually revolt, or they might buy Xboxes, which would be the goal then. Again, and then, that, and then uh, but you could always, after the hard feelings subside, you could always put it on those platforms afterwards. Yeah, dude, I, I understand the strategy there, and I, I sympathize with that. The only problem I have with it is with a title like Elder Scrolls, you know, you have given the PS players a taste of, of what that IP is. So it'd be hard for me if I was in that position to want to take it away from an entire user base, right? You know, if we're going to cut the market, you can't really call it 50-50 because you got the switches in there too. But let's call well, it... Skyrim was ported onto everything known to mankind, seemingly. Well, I mean, it was, but let's just call it very basic. We'll cut the market in half. Half of it's Xbox, half of it's PS4. Why would you rule out that entire half of the market share here if you're a game studio? And that's the the argument that we really haven't talked about is not only is this a platform or a console by itself, you also are a game studio. So sometimes you're going to have to do some things that aren't always in the best interest of the platform, but will be in the long run because it's in the best interest of the studio. And I think that's where when you start making things exclusive like Elder Scrolls or Fallout or anything like that, that's where you're going to start losing people and maybe damaging the brand and the overall umbrella in the long run. I don't know. People say they swear off against it, but if it came out a year, year and a half later, they would run to it. Game like Fallout, if it scored well, not like Fallout 76. And then if the Elder Scrolls 6 comes out, I think those harsh feelings would subside if you decide to go ahead and put it on that platform later at a delayed status. But that's just my opinion. I think gamers would ultimately say, you know what, we're going to bite the bullet and either buy an Xbox right away or go ahead and we'll wait the year, year and a half, whatever it would take.
I would in the past have agreed with you, but I think the COVID economy has made it so that a lot of people can't afford to grab both right away. And it's from a financial perspective and the fact that there's just no stock. And so that's where I would argue that you might. Well, I mean, actually... By the time Elder Scrolls does come out, there will be stock. I mean, it's there will not be... coming anytime soon. There will be stock, but we also have to, you know, remember that the average American's hurting right now financially. So it, it's going to be much harder for them to get both the PS5 and the Xbox. And and so, you know, that's where I kind of start looking at it, you know, with where we're at with a the economy with COVID, you might be doing damage in the long run by just limiting yourself to one platform. But at the same time, that exclusivity does drive people in. So well, X- Xbox has to do something bold in order to get an advantage in this console race because they're already starting to lose already. And that to me, if I'm Phil Spencer, I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of being down to number two or number three in this console race. I'm tired of it. I want to go ahead and take bold steps. Buying Bethesda for seven plus billion dollars was a bold step, but now I need to go even further. But that's what just Here's something I've, I've been wondering about. When does Microsoft start strong-arming PlayStation into cross-play with some of the largest titles, right? It should be in reverse, man. It should be in reverse. When did these publishers, when does Activision or when does EA, when do they step in? When do they go, you know what, we want these cross-platform or, you know, or, or else. we pull out, yeah, we, yeah, whatever it is. I'm not ruling out the possibility here that Microsoft uses this as a strategy to maybe get ahead and start pulling some bad PR for Sony and just say, hey, we've been trying to do this, but Sony has left it on the table throughout that kind of a move yeah it's a it's a dirty tactic but man you could make up some ground there by telling everyone that hey i'm, I'm trying to make this a, a universal experience and and sony's not doing that why don't you come hang out with us come play our, our games that are in game pass you know you can play with pc players you can play with whoever you want man just have a good time we'll find out and, and see what's going on with this continued love affair and now that Bethesda's under the umbrella of Xbox, we'll see how that works out. Again, we might have different opinions on exactly how we would shape the future for Bethesda and Xbox, but we both definitely agree that there is a great future for Bethesda now that it's part of the Xbox platform. What are your thoughts out there on Bethesda and Xbox officially getting together? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, before we hit the half-hour break, my friend, real quick, today, as we're recording this, is March 11th, 2021, which is the one-year anniversary for the coronavirus being officially named as a pandemic. So I want to hear your thoughts. This has devastated the realm of pop culture in so many ways. I mean, from movies, television, streaming, music, sports, the whole nine yards has totally changed in the past year because of what's gone on. I want to hear your thoughts before we head on the break on what this has meant for pop culture. You know, I think I've been very doom and gloom over the past year as far as how this relates to pop culture. You know, I've, I've talked a lot about missed timelines, but we, we did some irreparable damage out the gate. And then all of a sudden things just really kicked off. And I think it's kicked off in the benefit of the consumer. Gerald, I think that we've done a lot of great things because of what has happened with COVID. You know, when it comes to making modern day conveniences a little bit more convenient curbside delivery, curbside pickup. A lot of these retailers have done a lot to make themselves more accessible. So, you know, on this anniversary, I do want to just point out that, yeah, it did suck last year. And yeah, I did talk a lot about missed timelines, but we've done a lot to push our society forward from a technological standpoint. And with that, I'm very proud of what we've been able to do in a terrible situation. 
I do want to point out that we're still in the in the heat of it and everybody needs to keep doing their part and wear your mask and, and be responsible. That's that's all we need to do and, and get your shots when it comes up, man. It's important that we all do our part and that's all I can say, Gerald. Well, there's a great sign that just as it was announced as we're talking right here that adults in the U.S., everybody 16 and older will be eligible to get vaccinated. I mean, we're making a big push for it at all 50 states by May the 1st. So at least that eligibility comes there. So that's a great sign. But first off, my thoughts and prayers are with the families that have been devastated and affected adversely by the coronavirus. There's so many people out there that I know that have been affected by it. And to those people, my continued thoughts and prayers and from all of us in Pop Culture Cosmos. But to say this has been the most devastating thing to pop culture in history is is understated because of the fact that it's changed the scope of the way we watch movies going forward in the future. Even as things do get better, there's still going to be people that want to go ahead now and go into a streaming future. There's people now that want to go ahead and see sports in a, in a different way now. They want to go see movies. They want to listen to music in a different fashion than they did before. People's lives have been changed for good by the what's happened with the coronavirus. Even if we do try to get back to some semblance normal, which we're on the path of doing right now. But I will say as a species, as a human species, one of our best abilities is the ability to adapt. And I think we've done a pretty darn good job of doing just that. What are your thoughts out there on the anniversary of the coronavirus being named by the World Health Organization as being a pandemic? We want to hear your thoughts in the past year of how you've been able to cope, how you've been able to try and deal with it, and how you've been trying to able to consume your pop culture and your thoughts on how pop culture has evolved in the past year. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, it is Vince Atulo from That Sports Card Show podcast. He's going to talk about one of the few things that has been booming under the coronavirus is the booming sports card industry. He's going to talk about that, some great things on there. And also, if you should go ahead and go look for those cards in the attic, go look for those cards in the closet. Are they going to be something that you might want to go ahead and look back into? Or should you jump into it yourself? We're going to talk with Vince Atulu from That Sports Card Show podcast right after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. Video game box art, the stories behind the covers in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. All right, and we're back for the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. And I want to ask you a question, all you listeners and viewers out there, and that is this. Do you have any old cards sitting in your closet? Because I'll tell you right now, the one industry in this time that is gaining a lot of popularity, and you could actually say it's booming because that's what they're saying all over the internet. That's what they're saying as far as the press is concerned, is that the trading card industry, the sports card industry is ongoing right now with a big industrial boom. And here to talk about that sports card boom, is a good man indeed. You got to catch all the back episodes of that sports card show podcast. And I heard a rumor that might be happening in the future. Once again, as far as him delving into the world of podcasting, he has got one of the best sports card podcasts that are out there. So please check out that sports card show podcast 
It is Vince Atulo. And Vince, I've been dying to get you back on the air because I see these prices going skyrocketing. They're skyrocketing all over the place. Just, you know what, before we go into it, I'm just happy to have you back on the program. Thanks for asking me to be back. I haven't done my own podcast in almost a year, almost an exact year now. So it's nice to kind of get back in the saddle and do a little podcasting and looking to get mine started back with a partner very soon. So uh, this is kind of good practice to get back and uh, talk in front of the mic. Absolutely. I'm just so excited to bring him back on because I know you've seen my DMs that I've been sending you. Man, this is getting wild. This is getting wild. And it's not just what people are seeing. Like you said, the clickbait that's out there that gets people, the regular average individual out there interested in getting their sports cards looked at or going into the attic or going into the closet like I did and bringing back all their sports cards. But let's get everybody up to date that there are several notable high-end auctions recently that have just sold off these rookie cards, marquee names like Tom Brady, Kobe Bryant, Mike Trout. These big names of the sports card industry, they've all had rookie cards sell in excess of $1 million or more. And you're seeing all these big numbers, plus a lot of other sports cars booming and skyrocketing in their value. I want to hear your thoughts on why that is. I think it's been kind of coming for, I don't know, six or seven years. It's been steadily climbing the, the kind of boom in sports cards. But it seems like since the pandemic started, there was a drop where people was wondering, is, is the bottom totally going to fall out of these things? No, it didn't. Then it went way up. And it seemed like people were sitting at home with nothing to do pandemic and people i don't know if they just discovered the sports cards due to the increased social media surrounding it or if it's just these clickbait stories that we were just talking about where the multi-million dollar cards are selling you know those are all out of my price range so i don't really keep up with uh, that end of it too much but it's uh, always nice to see them when they they go for that much because the high-end cards when when they go up I, I believe there is a little bit of a trickle down effect for the lower end cards and the values go up because the interest goes up in those as well yeah, I know ever since I started my podcast in 2016, the interest has gone up steadily, but it seemed like 2019, the graph just went straight up with the interest in cards in general, and it's it's still high. I don't see any signs of it slowing down anytime soon. In fact, I see it expanding to even new markets and new cl- types of collectibles. Absolutely, and we're seeing these one-of-a-kind cards like we talked about, these one-of-a-kind rookie cards. So Luka Doncic rookie card recently sold for huge money just right away and this is something that's only two three years old and we're seeing these things where these cards are going at these astronomical prices but people need to go ahead and not say okay i don't have a kobe rookie or i don't have a tom brady rookie why do i need to get really invested into trading cards once again well the thing is now people are buying investing in things that we're seeing as far as bitcoin as far as what we're seeing with the GameStop stock. But trading cards are also being used as an investment tool right now because the market is becoming so saturated with interest right now. And we're seeing a lot of these other cards. I mean, we're talking about all the back years of baseball, all the back years of hockey, basketball, football, all these cards that, as you talked about before we went on the air, didn't have value before. All the stuff that was sitting in my box because it had Zippo value, well, the Luka Doncic card, that was the one-of-one one National Treasures Logo Man Rookie Auto, and that went for $4.6 million. 
Now, see, people that don't know, they might not be familiar with modern cards and ultra modern cards. That's not one you're going to pick up a pack of at Target. That is kind of what you call a boutique item. Yeah. Okay. You're either going to buy into a break of that with a breaker, or if you're going to buy a box of that, it's going to set you back, uh, let's say, between 5000 to $8,000. And, you know, a lot of people have that fear of missing out. So uh, they'll go ahead and buy into stuff like that and they don't get anything. That's an extremely lucky person to hit that and got that basically lottery ticket. But uh, that's not the regular type cards that, that I see most people buying. That's a rare item. But when it comes to what you're seeing as far as the regular cards that are out there, the everyday tops, the everyday Donruss, yeah. the everyday sports cards names that are out there that you're seeing flocking right there when you walk by at the supermarket checkout stand, it's right there at Target. Target's got a whole road devoted to it. Walmart has a whole road devoted to it as you walk near the checkout stand. People say, why should I go ahead and buy those cards? There's a reason now why you want to go ahead and buy those cards. Yeah, there is. But see, the problem is now you can't even find those cards in stores. The demand is so high that people will sit and wait in line for the stores to open, for those cards to be on the shelves, and then they clean them all out as soon as they're stocked. So when you go there, it seems like they never carry cards anymore. It's not that the stores don't carry them. People are going and buying all the cards they can off the shelf, and then they'll take them and sell them online for two, three four times what they paid retail. It's become a whole industry. So it's really hard to find stuff in the stores now. If you find it, you're lucky if you can pay retail for it. So I want to ask you this, my friend. I mean, you people out there, I mean, there's probably tens of thousands of people right now, at least, that can go in their attic, that can go mm -hmm. and look in their closet, you know, look in the trunk or look in their box that they have, like I did, and full of these boxes and boxes of basketball, baseball, football, and other sports-related cards, and even non-sports cards, pop culture mm -hmm. cards, which, you know, even back in the old 80s with the MTV star cards and things of that nature that people need to look into, why do they need to go ahead and bring those out? I mean, because you're seeing not only the high-end stuff going, but you're also seeing the average everyday stuff at that time, which were so easy to get, they're now becoming more valuable as well. Yeah, for years, those were known as the junk wax era. It was between 80, I believe 87 and 90, let's call it 95, stuff that was really mass produced, overproduced. And it was mostly just like base cards, you know, just, just paper, cardboard with a picture on it. Nothing really special. Well, now people are going and buying the old wax that had sat and collected dust for years because the new trend is people want Hall of Fame rookies, you know, people that they grew up liking. And what they can do instead of having the Hall of Fame rookie whose card had you know minimal value for years because it was just an overproduced card and they were plentiful. What they're doing is sending them in to get graded. And when they come back graded a 10 or, or high graded, they're worth a lot. Now, you mentioned pop yep. culture, so let's uh, let's talk about both. Here's uh, 1978 KISS cards. I, I collect some of these. See, this has been graded. If you look where it's been graded, it's been graded a 9. That's a pretty high grade. The only grade higher is a 10. Now, this card is probably worth, I don't know, 50 cents to be generous by itself. But once you send it in and get that 9 grade, I'd say... With the prices going up, this is this is not these aren't super expensive sets. This is probably twenty to fifty dollar card if you can find them. Now you may pay a premium if you really want this card graded in a nine because they're kind of scarce. So you may pay seventy dollars. You know, I paid much much less than that for this a long time ago. So, 
But yeah, there's one that's graded. Now, what people will do is they'll take those Hall of Fame rookies, let's say Barry Sanders or Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman type stuff, stuff that was prime in the junk era, and they'll get it graded and it comes back a 10. And then they've got a valuable rookie card of somebody who they always liked, a Hall of Famer, and it's a, a true collectible. So that's where the value is. That's where people are uh, getting back into the older sets. That gives me some hope as far as my action-packed Emmett Smith rookie card here. So that gives me some hope for that. I think you're wanting to know what people can do if they're wanting to get into collecting cards. Yes. Like like my advice is if there's like a modern rookie that you're into, a, a young guy that's just coming out on your favorite team or something, this is, this is an example of like a modern rookie, Luis Robert or something like that. But seems pretty casual about how people say his name. But this is his base first Bowman rookie. That's a... A nice first rookie of his. If, if you was going to start collecting him, that's where I'd say start. This is a lower production run, more desirable type card. And they actually have numbered variations. There's autographed versions. And the more lower print that those are, the more desirable they are and the higher the price will be on them. So you're saying to go for newer rookies at this point or newer players at this time. Like, for instance, LaMelo Ball, who is now tearing it up in the NBA yeah. rookie out there looking at his rookie cards you're looking at the arc of his career and he's already playing well at this point you want to go ahead as an investor bet on him to go ahead and extend that excellence even further and by doing so spend the what probably about 50 100 dollars right now for one of his rookie cards because you're hoping to turn it around for so much higher yeah they don't have a lot of the uh basketball cards with his pro rookie uniform on release yet i think hoops I think Origins is coming out there. There's a few, but it's mostly the lower end stuff. But yeah, his hoops cards were going for about a hundred dollars when they first came out, and now they they've cooled down. I think you can get them for about twenty five now, something like that. But as the other cards come out, prisms and stuff like that, and some more autographed cards he's got, depending on the set, they'll be all over the place. You you can get lower end rookies, you can get higher end rookies. Got people that aren't really familiar, you can get autographed versions of rookie cards now. This is an autographed on card of. Bam Adebayo from a few years back. And see, it's even numbered. There's only 200 of this card printed. So that makes it a little more special. Well, that's so interesting to hear because if you're out there and you're looking to getting into the sports card trading scene, now is a great time to do so because the interest has never been higher. I mean, that's something that I've been able to perceive. But, I mean, I want to hear your thoughts. Is right now, as far as a fan is concerned, someone that you've been an avid collector for so many years, is it more popular than ever? Without a doubt. You can't even find cards in the stores to buy them. Used to be for, let's say, 20 years. In my area, I'd go to a store and there'd be cards on the shelves. I swear, I was the only person in my area that even bought the cards. I had the pick of anything I wanted, as much as I wanted, for years. The benchmark that I noticed that there was, like, going to be short on supply was in 2017, there was a Shohei Otani card in boxes at walmart they were like targeted or not walmart they were target exclusives i believe and they were gone and i was like well, this has never happened before what was what's the deal with this that everywhere you go every store they were gone that was the first time i noticed there'd be a real shortage on cards and that they were popular and people were chasing them and, and they were just gone it was like chasing ghosts they were gone you can find the stuff online but you're going to pay a premium for it and i'm not going to pay that kind of a premium it's just if I'm really into like a player and getting their card, I'll just buy the card. You know, instead of going, let's say the hot thing now is like optic football in, in stores. You can buy their like mega boxes for 
$50 in the store. You can't find them. So you go online to, to get them and they're $170. You got to weigh that $170 versus what you think you could get out of that and how bad you want it. And also realistically think, is it going to go higher in value? That's another thing you've got to put into it because if you're going to be spending $50, $100, $150, $200 into this, whether it's a card, whether it's a set, whether it's a box, even just unopened packs, if you're just going to go ahead and invest in it, you got to go ahead and see the long term. Are you doing this because you love the player, you love the team, or are you doing it as investment? I think you got to go ahead and get that out of the way. So that's the last question I want to talk to you. It's always about choosing with your heart or choosing with your mind. Do you want to go ahead and make sure and let everybody know out there what you really need to go ahead and think about when you're going through this process? I love the collecting and I never even really sold much stuff. I just would collect it and basically hoarded it. I never sold anything. But over the past year, I've been selling so much and it was just stuff that never sold. And now it's a card that used to never sell. I'll sell it on eBay and get 10 bucks out of it, 15 bucks out of it, 20 bucks. You know, and I just had stacks and stacks of that stuff. And I've sold so much of it over the past year. It's crazy. And that's what people were doing. They sell stuff to buy stuff now because they have to because the prices are so high. So I'd yeah. say if you want to if you want to get into it and and buy some stuff, if most people now, I think, especially that are new, getting into it, looking at it as an investment, maybe a fun investment, but they're looking at it as an investment. And I say, buyer beware. Don't invest more than what you've got to lose. And especially, there's a new thing out, and I wanted to, to talk about this with you. Have you heard of the NFTs? No. Now, I'm probably not the best guy to talk about this stuff because I'm still learning about it. It's fairly new. NFT stands for non-fungible tokens. And this is all like a crypto thing. And it's drawing a lot of sports card investors into it. And you're not going to believe this. But what it is, it is actual little video snippets that you buy. Okay, you own the video snippet. It's nothing physical. You just have to take no physical ownership of it. It's like a pack of cards where you get a pack of video snippets. And it's NBA Top Shot, I think, is the most popular one right now. But there's so many of these things popping up. It's crazy. There was one that sold for like $100,000. It was a uh, LeBron James one, limited number or something. There was a Zion that sold for like $100,000. And this is a new thing. This is a serious thing. NBA Top Shot. Look into it. I'm not an expert on it. I don't have one dime invested in it. Don't plan to. Now, a lot of people are going to have different opinions on it. I personally am not into it, but there's a lot of people that are that would that would just call me ignorant for not being into it. And, and fair enough. Fair enough. That, that's probably right. But that just shows you where the collectible market is going. You're buying something you're taking no ownership over. It's just a video clip. Very interesting indeed. I may have to do that. There's hologram cards that are out there. But the, uh, the way we label holograms in the future may actually be like a hologram popping up as far as right there off the card. And that future, what we've seen in movies and television as far as the hologram right there in the palm of your hands Princess popping Leia. up. Yeah, exactly. So that might actually be a future for the sports card trading industry. It might combine what you're seeing now with the NFTs with that. So maybe look for that down the road. But the sports card industry is is selling like no other. It's it's really the industry as a whole. It's really the popularity is there. And Vince, it's been great to have you here. But one last question I want to ask you, where, where do I go if I have this Emmett Smith rookie, like I was talking about, or this David Robinson rookie? I pulled that out of the closet. Where right. can I go to check out to even get a glimpse or to even get an inkling of what kind of value it actually has? Where's the best place I could start? Well, first place you can go is eBay. And you can look up what kind of cards you have and try to find one that is based 
closest to the condition of the card you have because a lot of that stuff is very condition sensitive and just see what they're selling for not necessarily what people are asking because people can ask for anything you know but try to look up to see what maybe it's sold for and then there's another website called 130 point it's really good i use it a lot it gives you a rundown of whatever card that you're looking for it gives you like the the last 20 that were sold on ebay what they went for and the actual price that they sold for so that's another option to, to check out too i use it a lot oh absolutely uh, that's somewhere i might be heading to in the not too distant future to check out all the cards that i have to see what kind of value it is but vince it's been so great having you on the show again i've been dying to get you back on and i'm looking forward to get you back on again to talk more sports card in the future but before you know you said there might be a revival that's coming in the order for that sports card show podcast. Yeah, I've got a guy that's going to be helping me do it. I got a partner and we're going to get it up and running and maybe with a new wrinkle or two, but it's it's coming very soon. Oh, I'm looking forward to it on all the same channels, on all the same feeds. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, maybe even a few more because I, I only have it on Stitcher and iTunes and there's there's a bunch more platforms to put your podcast on now that I have never even looked into. So, yeah, I've got to look into some of those as well. Believe me, I know a lot about those platforms and how many there are out there. And there yeah. sure are a lot indeed. But Vince Atulu from That Sports Card Show podcast, it's been sensational having you on. I appreciate the advice both off air and on air that you have given me in regards to the sports cards that I have. And also, I am immensely grateful for you providing viewers out there all the great information on today's show. So I cannot thank you enough. And if anybody has any questions specifically to ask you, where should they go? Check out my Twitter. It's at TSCS Podcast. We have a Facebook group, too, if you want to join the Facebook group. And I have an Instagram, that Sports Card Show Instagram. I usually just post a lot of pictures of cards on my Instagram. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. Yeah, you can shoot me a DM, question, whatever's fine. All right. Hey, uh, Vince, I have this LeBron James rookie that signed. I'm not sure the value of it. Can I send it over to you to go ahead and get it evaluated? <laughs> no, no, don't do that. Hold on to it. And you don't want to let anybody take hold of that because that's a valuable thing. And you don't want to trust that with somebody you don't know. I would imagine so. But no, I don't have a LeBron James. Yeah. Wish I did. Wish I did. Yeah. Me and you both. <laughs> Well, Vince, it's been so awesome, and I'm looking forward to your return right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. want to thank so much Vince Latulu from That Sports Card Show podcast for being on the show today. But before we head on out, my friend, one week left. It was a slow week this week. I think everybody was taking like a sigh of relief. <gasps> Like an, like an exhale after the nine weeks of WandaVision. I think pop culture as a whole is kind of like, okay, we need a week off. We need a week off to recover because of how intense that was over the course of a nine-week period. But next week, we start off one of the big battles between DC and Marvel. And that's coming up mano e mano as far as DC and Marvel coming up next week on HBO Max. 
Justice League, the Zack Snyder cut, is going to be made available. It was partially available for a little while, two hours in, if you're watching Tom and Jerry earlier this week, and that was kind of a faux pas, but nobody got to see the full version of it because they cut it off after a couple hours. But the actual start date is next week. And then right after that on Fridays, because it's next Thursday for the Justice League, and on Friday, Falcon and the Winter Soldier comes out on Disney+. Plus. So I wanted to ask you, my friend, Next week, I think it's going to be a killer week in pop culture. We're going to have a lot to discuss this time next week. Are you getting pumped up? Are you getting amped? And are you getting excited for Justice League and Falcon and the Winter Soldier? For sure, man. I won't be here next week. I'm going to be taking the week off. I'm celebrating my birthday. But Wouldn't just... you know it? Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Kid- no, I'm kidding, man. Don't worry about But that. what I do want to say, though, is I'm very excited, and I wish I would be here uh, next week so that we could talk about some of these releases that are coming out. You know, I, I think this is very interesting. You know, fans and the actors uh, apparently both rallied behind this call to get a, a Snyder cut. And so, you know, it's 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 really surprising to me that we're doing this. But at the same time, I appreciate it. This is a studio allowing somebody to really see their vision come true. And so I do appreciate it from that point of view. Am I going to watch it? Yeah, I'll watch it, you know, but is it going to replace the abomination that occurred in 2017? No. See, that's where I disagree with you. I think I can totally obliterate it out of my mind, the previous iteration, if this is really good. Because as Josh and I talk about on the Pop Culture Cosmos, this could be something I am really get excited for, again, for the DC Universe. Because I'm not the biggest fan of the DC Universe. This could get me excited for it. I would love to see, I would pay money to see the Hall of Villains versus the justice league i would love to see that and they hinted towards that in the end credit scene and this will expand upon it from what i'm hearing i think it does get me excited now unless it's extremely wildly popular it will not get a sequel because they've already actually posted the storylines for the number two and three on social media so they don't think that's going to be done but right unless it's extremely popular hbo max will not okay it which i'm disappointed by but I think just the prospect, not of Dark Side, because the Dark Side deal, okay, I'm going to see how good he is compared to Thanos, because I'm always going to put that in my mind, comparing him to Thanos. But to me, the prospects of what you could actually do more with the series, I'm actually very excited about those prospects. That's one of those things that HBO Max, man, they're going to be kicking themselves if this really does blow up, because how do you go back and and make those movies after you've released the storyline, not the script? But at the end of the day, I haven't really been extremely excited for a DC movie since a Christopher Nolan Batman, but I don't want to, you know, make the audience really gasp there. But, you know, Wonder Woman's been outstanding. I've enjoyed that franchise. I've enjoyed what they've done with it. But I'll be entirely honest. It's been since Christopher Nolan had Batman that I've truly been jazzed to go see a DC movie. Well, I was kind of hyped up for Justice League because I'd really been disappointed by the Superman movies. And obviously, we have not had some great outings. Aquaman was kind of a nice little high as far as from an action standpoint. It was all right. Wonder Woman was pretty good. Wonder Woman 84 was not so good. The universe has had its highs and lows. The Joker was outstanding, but you really can't associate that with the current line of Justice League and things of that nature. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be excited what's going on with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think it's going to be just something that can it do enough to provide more interest into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Can it keep that momentum going? I think it's going to. I think it comes back to a part of the universe we're more familiar with that's more action-based, more action-oriented, more more straightforward at you. 
WandaVision had you guessing each and every week what's going on, which was kind of cool for nine weeks. But I think this is more traditional Marvel that we're going to see from Falcon and Winter Soldier. And for that, I'm excited to step into that as well. Yeah, I agree a thousand percent with that. It's, it's going to be really hard to ride the energy that Mandalorian, that WandaVision all laid down here in the lead up to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's going to be hard to do that. But at the same time, if I have any trust, it's going to be in Disney to keep this Marvel energy moving forward and keep Disney Plus moving forward past 100 million subscribers. Man, Going to 100 million subscribers in less than two years, it's faster than any other streaming service, to my knowledge. I mean, that actually built it up in an organic way, not like Apple Plus, who could just, oh, everybody's got Apple Plus and that's it. That's that's kind of different. But I will say this. I am very excited for the future for pop culture, obviously starting next week. Then we have Godzilla versus Kong. Then we have some other stuff coming down from HBO Max. We have other stuff that's coming on the way as far as movies are concerned are going to be popping up all over in theaters. So people might have to go back to theaters to watch first run movies. Once again, that might be something of great interest to people out there. We'll see, but I am excited for the future of pop culture. I know it's been a rough year for everybody out there, but if everybody stays positive, everybody just keeps on doing what Marcus had said about just trying to be smart and safe. We'll get through this together and we'll get back into some great pop culture very soon. But Marcus, it's been a great episode. I did want to say you're not going to be here next week, but you could be here on not this Monday, but the next Monday if you want, because we'll be live from Pod VCon, not this weekend, but the next. So I'd really like to invite you to and you know join Josh and I on Pod VCon a couple Sundays from now, if you can, so we can talk the latest in pop culture. And Falcon and Winter Soldier will have come out. Yep. Justice League will have come out. And we could go ahead and share our thoughts right there and then if you want. Man, Gerald, you know I'll be there. With a Sunday like that, you can't really miss, man. It's going to be a great episode, number one. Number two, going to be driven by a lot of great discussion. I have a feeling we're going to spend our entire time on Falcon the Winter Soldier and Justice League. And that's fine. We'll have a lot to discuss. But yeah, folks, keep an eye out for PodVCon. We'll be there. And, and that'll be know. Sunday, March 21st, just to let everybody know. I'll give everybody the specific time on next week's Pop Culture Cosmos. But I'll tell you what, my friend, it's been a great episode. Any last thoughts before we head on out? My last thoughts are that the L.A. theaters are starting to reopen, and that could spell day and date for a lot of titles moving forward versus just you know pushing some titles off or just putting them on the streaming services only. So, folks, let's have some hope. We're looking forward to the future, and do your part so that we can get back to the movie theaters and watch these on the big screen. I'm just going to tell you, my friend, with Black Widow being almost confirmed by Bob Chapek, CEO of Disney, that it's coming out still on May 7th and being targeted for that. I have a feeling it's not going to. And I hope I'm wrong because I'd rather see it on Disney Plus right now because I still don't think it's 100% safe. But that's just my personal opinion. And I think it's just going to be released after what we saw with Ryan the Last Dragon having underwhelming monetary performance because of Cinemark Theater's chain didn't show Ryan the Last Dragon, which was, I think, the third largest chain here in the U.S. Ryan the Dragon took a big hit. I think that sent out a message to Disney that they can't do day and date and get away with it, even if they are charging 30 bucks. So I think they're going to go ahead and release it to theaters first on May the 7th. It's been a great episode, my friend. I know you're not going to be here next week. I wish you continued safety. wish you continued health. And hopefully I'll see you at Pod VCon right here for us at the Pop Culture Cosmos. 
So for Marcus De La Carza, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.